Good morning, America. This is your host, Mark Dunnigan. I would think, I don't think I'm unusual in this aspect, that most people have a memory of multiple memories of the family garage. In all my years growing up, I only remember one brief period of time in which we ever placed or were able to fit a car in the home that I grew up in. We had a 1960 Mercury white station wagon, all red interior and with definite tail wings. My older brother was in high school before I even started school and he graduated the year I finished kindergarten. I remember two particular girlfriends, which he had later on in high school. And if my memory serves me right, both relationships seemed to be rather turbulent or in that way. In fact, both girlfriends had the same name. Um, that is the same first name. And maybe that was the maybe that was the period of time or that was the culture where, and that was probably even true when I was in high school, that many high school romances it was almost you were expected to have kind of a turbulent relationship. Well, the relationship with the second girl ended, and on one afternoon, this girl and her suddenly recent and new boyfriend drove by our house really slow. Well, my older brother saw them, ran out into the garage, hopped into the station wagon, was planning on chasing them down, as he gunned it and pulled out of the garage, well, he took part of the garage with him. Stories like that almost instantly become part of the family lore. And at such a young age, it also reminded me that girlfriends, or maybe specifically the wrong girlfriend, could be a lot of trouble <laughs> and really expensive. And that was one of the few stories about that was about him and the family. There were far more stories about me because I think I acted up far more than any of my other brothers combined. The funny thing, though, about the station wagon was that years later, when my mom traded it in to the local Chevrolet dealership, the person who bought it was one of the, well, was one of the town drunks. So this car that everyone in town had associated with my mom was now seen parked at the Pink Pussycat Tavern, dead center in the middle of town, right on a corner of like two main streets every single evening, or probably from about three o'clock in the afternoon on until the bar closed. And things like that just seem to happen to mom now and then, um, you know, a little bit when you're, and she was a great woman, and so she wasn't necessarily trying to keep up appearances. But when you're trying to be so careful like that, sometimes those things just come back and get you. For years, she had attempted to hide her true age from her friends. But when she and her new-to-be husband, who didn't know her real age either, applied for a marriage license, that information was public, published in the Salem and Silverton papers. And there for the entire world to see 
was a real age. She had worked so carefully of trying to keep that a secret, and it just kind of all fell apart. Memories of the garage. I remember one winter, and there might have been only one winter like this. That's hard to tell. Childhood memories are tricky like that. Was it multiple winters or was it just that one? I remember one winter, my dad had the north interior wall of the garage stacked with firewood and I would crawl all over it. Another winter, my dad had a lot of scrap wood in the garage. And so I constructed a television station or booth to do live television shows and even made a homemade television camera on a tripod. I would sit in that booth and I would give the news or I would do a show. Maybe that was early training for this show. There's one of those lessons that I know parents sometimes worry about, well, what if I have the next great NFL quarterback on my hands and I don't know it, you know, and what if I have a child that should have been like a tennis star, but I made the mistake of never signing it up for tennis lessons. Hey, hey, here's the thing, parents, they'll find it. If if they are to be the next great tennis star, they'll find something, a racket, a ball, and they will start, they'll start, start pounding it against your garage. You, you typically cannot keep that from happening. That will surface. Great music ability, great athletic ability, etc. It will surface. So don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Now, here's the thing to be concerned about. Make sure they're right with God. Make sure they have character because they're going to need that. Because even if they become a musician who makes a lot of money, if they don't have character, they will ruin their marriage and they will have a, well, they'll have a miserable life. So again, one of those things that 80 or 85% of professional athletes across the board in every single category end up divorced and bankrupt. And so you want them to avoid that. In a previous article, I had uh, I'd said or made a comment that the home that I grew up in didn't have much music playing. Some homes, some homes, you know, there's always, there was, the radio was always playing in the home or there would be a phonograph of records going on it. Um, yet, yet I, had, I had forgotten about the old record player in the garage. It was a wood cabinet. It was the one that had a definite, man, it had a definite needle in it. And you cranked it, you cranked it. And you could, you could make it go fast or you could make it go slow and you could make a, a record sound funny like a real fast record, like kind of the, the chipmunks were singing or a real slow record. And you could do that. And I never, I never knew to whom it originally belonged. Had that been my mom's? Had that been my dad's? Had that belonged to his family? Had that belonged to her family? Or was it like it had just they got it at a garage sale or something like that. Never, never really found out the story like, well, where did that record player come from? Who did that originally belong to? And the records in it, whose records were there uh, Did they belong to? And they were 45s. Various 45s. And I distinctly remember two of them. 
One was called Teen Angel by Mark Dinning. And a song which I cannot remember the specific title, but I played it over and over again. And the lyric went something like, Lady Luck cast her spell on me. And now I'm headed to misery, something like that. And that song might have been the B side of something far more popular at the time. But that's the side I played. And I played those over and over and over in the garage. Now, the update today, the update to that is that in looking at the internet and doing some research, Lady Luck is by Lloyd Price, and it was recorded in 1960. And by the time I'm out there playing in the garage, it's probably 1965, 66, and following. And definitely the music of 1965 was getting to be a little bit different than the music of 1960. Now in the garage, and this might have been typical of many families at the time, even to this day, there was a freezer, upright, upright freezer. And I remember many lectures, which my mom gave me about not, not, not crawling into the refrigerator or the freezer. You know, don't be curious about that. Don't try to get into the freezer and then shut the door because it would lock. And there's all sorts of stories of children freezing to death and suffocating because they crawled into the freezer and the lid shut. And, and I'm, I'm glad for that speech. I'm glad for that lecture. But I don't, I don't think there was anything that in me that ever said like, hey, I want to crawl into the fridge or the freezer. But I guess kids did. There was like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if I got in here and I could hide in here? The thing is, though, that in my childhood, death seemed to be a constant theme on the lips of parents and other adults, particularly educators. In school, we were shown movies of people trapped in cars, covered with down power lines at night on some deserted road. And the attempt was to teach us to leave down power lines alone. And I, I remember specifically where I saw that movie. It was in the, the gym of Eugene Field Elementary School. And I think I'm facing east. I'm facing towards the stage and man, it's, I think I'm like in second grade and man, did that movie creep me out. You know, I'm gonna, I, I'm still like that to this day of that. If, 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 if there's a show on talking about the symptoms of some disease, I suddenly am developing <laughs> all the symptoms of that. And so, uh, yeah, I suddenly, my thoughts were on a dark rainy night, I'm going to end up surrounded by power lines, you know, on some deserted road and unable to get out of the car. The other thing was that we lived in a town of probably about 5,000 people and there were many country roads, especially going to the big city. There were back roads, things like that. And a lot of remote intersections. Typically, a lot of those intersections are four-way stops had the name Rocky Four Corners, 
four corners. Uh, there were a number of them, four corners this and four corners that. And my mom would comment about who had died at that intersection, who had been killed there in a car accident. And it just seemed that every time we traveled the road, on which my cousin had fallen out of a car and ended up in the hospital. And when he was little, my mom would retell that story. Here's where it happened. So trips on country roads. I mean, if the drive could be nice, the drive could be nice, but there was always a lesson of mortality when we did any sort of drives out through the country. Yep. It was almost like reading an obituary column in the local paper. See that spot over Mark? Someone died there. Yeah. You got a relative that died there. Yep. That person died there. That person died there. That person died there. And that was helpful, though. That was, I think, helpful that when I got my driver's license, I was very much aware that um, there were some pretty severe consequences of having this driver's license. I could kill myself. I could kill other people. And so I needed to take that seriously. So take a little bit of extra time as you come up to that four-way stop and just don't assume that the other guy is going to be stopping. For a while, I had a little HO train layout in the garage. My older brother had put something together on a sheet of plywood years earlier. And it had remained unused in the garage. And it was pretty cool what he had done. He had kind of laid out where he had put the track and he had put like gravel on the side of it. And um, I, I really like, I, I almost, man, I can still remember what it looked like to this day on that sheet of plywood. But it had just kind of, that sheet of plywood had just kind of ended up, you know, leaned against something or it's like, yeah, there, there would be, or what's on the other side of that. And so I, I tried to improve upon that, the layout that he had initially formed. And then somewhere along the line, my dad had picked up some bandages for making casts for broken arms. And so I got, I got some chicken wire and kind of formed it into a tunnel and a mountain for my HO track to go through. And then the strips of white cloth clothed in plaster, I think, you would soak them in water. And then I would, I, I kind of laid them down and man, that made a perfect mountain. And the only thing that limited my playtime during the winter months in the garage was the temperature because it wasn't heated. And so I would stay out there for hours all bundled up and then finally come inside when I needed to warm up. But the good news, the good news, not being incredibly well, not really being insulated. Okay. You had, you know, you had your walls, but you had that garage door that had no insulation in it. And so that meant the garage got pretty cold. The cool thing though, was that that meant that the entire garage could serve as like one large refrigerator. And that meant that in the winter months, not only did it smell of wood, but there would be like a box of apples out there, maybe two boxes of apples, a box of oranges, etc. And not being insulated, the, the apples and the oranges, they were cold, they were crisp. 
And one benefit, one benefit from that, and again, grew up in a time, no internet, no cell phones, which I think is an incredible blessing. You know, you would come home from school, do your homework or whatever. And then particularly in the winter, the sun goes down about 4.30. So you might have four or five hours of just going to need to entertain yourself. And there, you know, there were only so many shows on television. And even to this day, they're not very good. And one of the great blessings, one of the great blessings is that I learned to entertain myself. I learned to create my own stories and develop uh, and develop my own scenarios. And um, that gave me insight into you can actually control how you view things. You actually can be in control of your thinking and how dwelling on something interesting, how dwelling on something good, not evil can really relieve you of stress and it can take you away. It can take you away into this adventure. It can be a great diversion. And years later, years later, God would help me with the rest of that. When in the book of Philippians chapter four and verse eight, he would give like, okay, when you were young, you had these scenarios and etc. cetera. Uh, let me help you now as an adult Finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. There you go. I hope you have good memories of your childhood, your growing up, and your garage as well. And if you're young and have your own kids, are you helping them create great memories? Until next time, we'll see you in the funny papers.